You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick with co-host Dan Reese for this week's By the Numbers. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. An- another rough week, but uh, you know, doing doing pretty good uh, otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, they weren't favored to win this game, so I guess it's not the end of the world that they that they lost it, not completely unexpected. But uh, boy, a game that was there for the taking, and with the other events in the NFL, a game that would have put them awfully close to a guaranteed playoff spot uh, had had they won. They're, they're still quite close. I mean, really, a, a win against Atlanta. Uh, will almost do it, given that the schedules that are ahead for uh, for some of the other teams, most notably the Jets and Miami. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think playoff-wise, yeah, I think playoff-wise, they're, they're in a pretty good spot. Uh, you know, it's just uh, always frustrating to lose one um, that uh, that was within reach for sure. So, I'm good. We'll, we'll have one handicapping question at the end of this, but I'll go ahead and start. And have the or actually, you go ahead and start, and you have yep. the first number. All right, my first numbers are 109 and 4.72. Uh, since week 14, J.K. Uh, Dobbins has 109 rush yards over expected, which is the highest in the NFL during that time. Um, in, in week 14, JK, um, averaged 3.4 rush yards over expected, which was second best that week. And then last week, uh, 4.72 rush yards over expected, um, which, which again was, was top in the NFL last week. So he also ran, uh, had a, a positive rush yards over expected, uh, on, on 61.5% of his runs last week. So, uh, pretty Remarkable that uh, not only a, a huge uh, total, but also, you know, more than half the time he, he's averaging over expected, which is uh, great to see. He's not just kind of looking for uh, home runs or anything like that. So, you know, I, I thought he just, uh, you know, performed extremely well and has looked great. The only only thing missing is that uh, the top gear, but man, do, do his cuts look good. Yeah, really, really look good cutting through the available holes. And, you know, we've had this question come up on some other shows is would Drake have done a little bit better with the same holes provided by this offensive line? And, you know, maybe in terms of long speed, he would have. But in terms of the the starting, getting through the line initially, don't think so because he's he's been outstanding with that. But Dobbins probably in these last two weeks has left more rush yards on the table by one player than I can ever recall in, in a two week period. And, and it's amazing considering it's only been what, 28 carries or something, 27, maybe even 14 and 13, 15, whatever it was, 12 and 13, yeah. 20, maybe 25 carries. But the, the point being that, that uh, you know, you, you need a lot of, of total rushes usually to, to, to accumulate a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, yards left on the table, but he definitely had some touchdown runs that went away with uh, piano deliveries on the, on the way of the end zone. And, uh, and that was unfortunate, but uh, great running. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So let me start with a similar vein here. It's 4.35 and 5.28. 4.35 is the adjusted line yards for the Ravens, which is 19th in the NFL. Now, that's a football outsider's metric, and we like to introduce new metrics when we can here, which assigns the line a portion of all running back yards by – assigning them 120% of any lost yardage. If there's a play for minus seven, it's minus 8.4 line yards for that play. A zero to four yard gain, they get 100% of the credit for that. So the indication, the idea being that the line is responsible for the first few yards from the line of scrimmage at the highest percentage. And then if, if the gain is between five and 10 yards, they get 50% of those yards. Sorry, let's be clear. The first four yards, they get 100% of. Then on a 10 yard run, they get... 50% of the next six for a total of seven adjusted line yards for that play. Gains of 11 plus, they get nothing for. So, you know, they get seven yards, whether it's a 10 yard run or a 40 yard run. It's the way to think about that. So, it definitely truncates the longest plays. The other thing it does is excludes QB runs. So, the Ravens have a more traditional yards per carry rank of second 
with 5.28 yards per carry. Uh, so the football outsiders method indicates the Ravens have had a more barbelled set of results than most teams because the line is either disproportionately charged for losses or not credited on long runs. So you can see why that would be true. The other thing is that the quarterback uh, is being excluded in this. And it's it's uh, it's very indicative of how, how obviously dependent on on uh, Lamar Jackson the Ravens are. But if you look at at one of the really similar teams, the NFL, Chicago, in terms of being a big rush team, uh, they're first in yards per carry. They're also tenth in adjusted line yards. So it's not the offensive line producing that alone. And um, it's interesting the way Football Outsiders looks at it definitely underscores some characteristics of teams. I'm not sure I completely agree with ALY as a, as a metric. But, it, but it's interesting in terms of underscoring different characteristics about how a team uh, results uh, play out. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a huge difference, like you mentioned, with, with the, all the quarterback uh, rushing yards being excluded. Um, but, but that's interesting because, you know, overall, I really think that um, you know, the O-line has done a pretty solid job blocking on, on runs. So, mm-hmm. uh even with the QB uh, runs excluded, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that, that, uh, that they were that low. So interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, my next, next set of, of stats are, uh, or numbers are 7.3, 5.1, 24% and 17.4%. Um, so th- these all, these all numbers um, kind of relate to, the, the the changing game plan going into the fourth quarter, um, you know, in Q one through three, the Ravens averaged seven point three yards per run play and five point one yards per pass play. Uh, additionally, they had um, a play over ten yards, so gaining over ten yards on twenty four percent of the run plays compared to seventeen point four percent of the pass plays. Um, so what those numbers kind of show me is that the runs were not only more consistently gaining yards um, on average, but also they were more likely to have explosive plays running the ball in this game. Um, with, with 10 minutes and 49 seconds left in, in Q4, they had a drive during which they kind of they, uh, they really went away from the run and, and threw six straight passes, um, resulting in, in a punt. And, you know, I, that kind of... Um, that drive really was was an issue for me, where they where they just completely went a, away from the run plays. I understand that the clock was was getting low there, but with the way that the the runs were working, not only just chipping away, but also really explosive plays. I, I just think that that was the most likely way that the Ravens could move down the field. Um, you know, I, I just think that. They were they were clearly showing that they could gain big chunk yards on the run plays. It wasn't just for you know for each play that would just kill the clock. But um, and so that was that was definitely frustrating for me to watch. So. All right, so we've had this come up on on each of the shows this week. I guess not surprisingly, because everybody wants to fire Greg Roman of, over the run pass balance and whatnot. Here, here's what I would offer to you. Harbaugh had his comments about it. If the, if you know if we're running the ball, that means the clock's running. Um, and, and I know you probably wouldn't be advocating either an all run or all pass situation, one or the other. You can do, you can mix it up. I mean, there's no reason not, not to at all. But here's my question for you. Let's say you can put together a drive, which maybe includes a couple passes, but is mostly runs and is going to, is going to take 
six and a half minutes off the clock at that point. And here are the conditions I'm going to give you. You can you have a 20% chance of getting nothing still. You have a 40% chance of getting a field goal because you get stopped somewhere down close, even though your best attempts to run. I mean, that's frankly what just happened to the Ravens on their very first successful drive when Ricard got stopped on fourth and one. And you have a 40% chance of getting, of getting a touchdown. First of all, would you agree that that's pretty aggressive in terms of expectations for the Ravens in this game where they basically had not been able to put the offense together for any number of plays? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. So would you have taken that a six and a half minute drive that that would have brought that to the table? You you hopefully you don't have to call any timeouts. You're still going to have three and a half minutes or or thereabouts left. Um, And, and if you have a, they were down 10, right? When that drive started, they're down 13 Mm -hmm. to three. Okay, yep. so it either brings you within seven or brings you within three with three and a half to go. Um, I don't doubt that that's a better situation than they ended up in. The question is, what did you have taken it over over trying to throw the ball and advance it down the field? Yeah, I guess, I guess you know, just what what I have taken it versus, I guess you have to kind of talk about what the other options are, right? Uh, you know, a, a pass-heavy approach eats the clock maybe – three minutes four minutes it's not it you know see, you're still gonna not have zero running. yes right. you're still gonna have running clock it was um you know this one the six plays were probably like a minute or two you know and they didn't get very far um so you know you're, you're it's not six versus zero on, on the clock so there's mm-hmm. a, a significant amount of clock that's, that's still gonna be go- going away and i'm not sure that the probability of kicking a field goal or scoring on a more more heavily you know more pass heavy drive is as likely so you know i I think it drops pretty significantly uh based on what we saw during the game maybe you know 30 30 instead of the 40 40 something like that um yeah I think you do. I think you have to. Uh, I, I think you have to get points on that drive. Otherwise, you have no shot. So I think the, their best chance in getting points on the board was a balanced offense. And I don't necessarily think that you can't run the ball and make a, you know, make a quicker offense, right? Like those aren't mutually exclusive <laughs> like you can hurry to the line you can run no huddle and still right. run the ball you can try and get out of bounds like there, there's there's still ways i think in both of their long drives they were about six minutes so you know they were they were averaging around six minutes even when they weren't trying to hurry so i i think that they can move the they could have moved the ball at, at a decent clip while still running the ball more often and like you said it's not 100 percent runs it's just when you when you got to i think it was second and four and they just passed it three times i just that's where i have an issue is that one of those three should have been a run play and i just I, that's where i struggle all right well i think we have a lot of related numbers going up but I, I, so we won't uh, won't say too much more but i i the actual drive that you mentioned the six player i took a minute and 15 seconds so i just okay. looked back for it so i'm not saying that that's you know that was some benefit the Ravens got because the Browns then drove down the field for for a long drive, which is another problem. Is that you know if they can do that, they can close the game out from three and a half minutes. Right. Regardless. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, it's is it's my turn, right? Yep. Okay. Let's go to number two here. 
We're going to go with 5.62 and minus 5.36. Interesting individual freak stat here. Um, the Ravens with, with Ben Cleveland in the game, this is against the Steelers, is where he got all his play this year, have 5.62 more yards per rush than without him. 10.9 with him, 5.3 without him. They also have minus 5.36 yards per play. By now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take Liquid Death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take Liquid Death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. With Ben Cleveland in for pass plays, then without him. He is, he's a, they've averaged... 0.4 yards per pass play and 5.76 on all other plays where he wasn't in that. Now, these are extreme variances, obviously, show up in a, in a relatively small selection of total plays. I think it was only 14 snaps he had anyway. But I'll tell you one thing that really came out of this that I liked is Ben Cleveland is a powerful looking guard, and he shows up even as a power guard relative to Ben Powers and relative to Zeitler in terms of what he can do. And I thought, it really maximized what the Ravens can get out of Linderbaum by playing next to a very big player. So I thought that was a that was a nice thing to say. He was again an actor for this Browns game, uh, but I think if I'm looking forward to 2023, he's one of the players I would really hope to see significant development from in terms of coming out coming out of camp, demanding a job, you know, and 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 getting it, and uh, and being a guy who can who can play at a high level next to Linderbaum. Yeah, you know. I- I think I agree. I like what I saw from him. Um, I think it's all going to be what he can do with it. You know, I think it comes down to coming, coming in at weight and healthy, uh, you know, into, into next year and um, really showing it in camp. Um, You know, I think his, uh, you know, lack of performance in the off season this year, just put him behind the eight ball and he has not been able to get out from behind it. So, uh, it, it'll be an interesting off season with uh, with Powers and him, and and then uh, the recent signing um, Simpson, right from uh, from Las yeah. Vegas. Uh, I think that that'll be an interesting um, person to watch how how that goes in the off season as well. So three hundred. He he only weighs according to the Ravens roster right now ten pounds less than Daniel Fontalele. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty incredible. Yeah, he, he's he's pretty. Pretty jacked, but uh, that's that's pretty up there in, in with the weight. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he needs to figure out what the best playing weight I think is for him. So, um, all right, my my next numbers are twenty percent, 
59.18% and 60.98%. So at, over the last two games, the Ravens have gone one for five uh, in the red zone, 20% scoring. That's just, that's, that's not going to cut it. Um, Atlanta's defense um, allows a touchdown on 59.18% of the red zone drives, which is, is 22nd. Um, so, you know, so that's a, a decent opportunity to, to, to right the ship a little bit on, uh, on red zone scoring. Um, on the other side of the ball, Atlanta's offense has, has scored on 60.98% uh, of the red zone drives, which is ninth best. So, um, you know, like, like, Every week, uh, you know, it really is going to come down to red zone execution. And, um, you know, it's looking more and more like Lamar is not going to be there this week. And so, you know, I think the team really has to figure out how how they can improve that red zone percentage um, without Lamar. Yeah, a lot lot of things are different about the game, uh, certainly without Lamar Jackson. But in the red zone, they seem a lot less scary. It's kind of interesting on that fourth and one call that the Ravens made. And I, I, I don't want to make the show about that, but um, it's, it's a, it's a fairly high gain. It was a fairly beefy gain in terms of win probability. If they'd made the first down, I think, except that first of all, I don't know that say Ben Baldwin bot numbers are going to model correctly what the Ravens chance is to make that first down without Lamar Jackson. It just, I, 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 I can't, I can't immediately accept that fact, but moreover, I can't accept the fact that the the BBB is going to have a good chance for a touchdown that reflects who Huntley is after they've gotten a first down. They ran this, you know, play to a card. It's a pretty high probability of success, I would think. But it's a two yard play or a three yard play if it really works. It gets you that first down, and 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 then you're you're stuck starting that drive from the, the five or six yard line. And do you really have confidence the Ravens can punch it in from there? <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe 50-50 at best, which is <laughs> pretty rough. Uh, yeah, it's interesting for sure. Those those bots and and or those models, you definitely have to kind of think about. Um, you know, those are all based off of historical averages, and you know, kind of have to think about how those relate to the in-game scenarios. So, are are I'll you look- aware of something that lists out the parameters for how the bot numbers are derived? Have you ever seen something like that? Uh, I saw it on the prior model, um, before, um, NFL faster kind of, kind of took over from it. So, you know, the one two years ago, but then they redid the model and it's a lot more complicated. It's, um, I don't even remember what the the term of the type of model is. Um, but it's not like a, a regression model where there's, you know, factors and, you know, uh, coefficients times the yards remaining and things like that so it's not a simple kind of input it used to be and it was nice because then i could model uh, separately but but now it's uh it's much more kind of machine learning type of a model um so uh, it's actually good to hear um (laughs) is it but use the lock and nettleton method that node-based one that's it's it's extreme the treatment of it is extremely complicated um i don't know it's a (laughs) it's beyond uh beyond what i what, you know what I'm familiar with, and 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 uh, you know learned in, in school, and, and definitely beyond what I know now. So, um, but uh, but it, it does make it harder to to replicate, you know, and to kind of to play around with the different scenarios. But but I would say that um, the Ben Baldwin bot, uh, as well as most of the models, do take in um, the, the Vegas lines. 
So they do have an adjusted model uh, for the win probability based off of that versus just like straight up even. So, um, so that's kind of their way of adjusting based on the team strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that to, uh, that's good. to a certain degree. So, yeah. All right. Uh, I'll go ahead with the next number here. Minus 15.8%, minus 6.2%, minus 32.6%, and minus 6.1%. A lot of negative numbers. And if you're guessing this has something to do with Ravens wide receivers, you're right. Minus 15.8% is the DeVoa for Demarcus Robinson. It's 63 of 72 receivers with 50-plus targets. And he's the only guy the Ravens had that fits into this category, who's currently available anyway. Uh, They have Deshaun Jackson. Is at minus 6.2%. He's 44th of 84 among receivers with 10 to 49 targets. Minus 32.6% for James Prochet. Didn't even know he had as many as 10 targets, but he's 67th of 84 among receivers in that group. And then minus 6.1% for Sammy Watkins, who didn't have any of those with the Ravens, but is 43rd of 84 such receivers and immediately jumps in at the highest relative ranking of any of the four receivers on the Ravens. Devin DuVernay was plus 11.9% uh, and is now, of course, out for the season as of yesterday. Uh, this is a really good time to run the football, but one of the things I'm afraid of, particularly against against any team, but is that they lose a lot of their jet motion um, action. That's going to have to go to somebody else. I don't know whether that's Robinson who runs those plays or Watkins who runs those plays, and each of them has done it in the past. But there, there needs to be... There needs to be real jet motion, and I think they're going to need to show it in the initial script to get the Atlanta defense keyed in on it and not just saying, we don't believe any of that. Show us once, and then we'll believe it. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if they could go with two running backs with Dobbins out wide. But then again, his speed isn't there because I was trying to think he's got to be one of the hill maybe. Yeah. Um that makes a lot of sense, Dan. Yeah. But is, is he much of a receiving threat? I know he's in for pass blocking, but I'm not really sure what he is as far as a receiving threat to split him out wide. But then again, it is what it is. So at this point, so um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they try that. I, I'm not really sure about Robinson or, or Watkins. Um, you know, Watkins maybe, but, you know, with only a few days back, that's rough. And Robinson the fewer times he's running with the ball is okay with me. Um, Cause of the fumbles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just holds the ball out so bad. It's, it's really rough to watch, but um, yeah, you know, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what they do about stretching the field, um, you know, with wise, but uh, be interesting to see what they do just on regular pass downs too. So um, it's, it's, they're going to have to get creative for sure. I, I really like the Hill idea the more I think of it. I mean, he played the most snaps of any running back this last week, tied with Dobbins. But I really like the notion of playing some pony and getting a second guy who really is. Because at, at the very least, Justice Hill has speed, to, to be sure, and also has some ability to cut like a running back that probably is going to be at a higher level than a receiver in terms of avoiding making making a single defender miss, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh- yeah. You would hope so, at least. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those are some rough numbers for the wide receivers, though. So, well, uh, I wonder if we'll see more likely uh, out there. I would, I would think that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see what they roll out. All right. Uh, my next set of numbers is a little bit looking forward uh, with the matchup for Atlanta. Uh, 12.7%, 03 
negative 4.2% and negative 10.1%. Uh, in week 15, Atlanta went uh, went nine for 16 on third downs, 56.25%, which was 12.7% above expected um, using a model based off of yards to go. Um, that, that was the sixth highest uh, percentage above expected in week 15. Uh, they also went seven for seven on the on run plays on third downs and two for nine on pass downs. Uh, on the 16 plays, they were uh, they had an EPA of zero point EPA per play of uh, 0.30, which is the sixth highest in uh, in week 15. Um, so taking a look at how that's going to compare to the Ravens, uh, the Ravens are, are negative 4.2 percent um, overall for the season on on third down conversion over expected on defense. So negative is good in, in this case on defense, holding them below expected. This was fourth best um, across the NFL so far this season. And then looking about looking since uh, week nine, when Roquan joined the team, negative 10.1%, which is just an amazing uh, stat, um, which was the best by a mile. The second best during that, that time frame was negative 5.8%. So, wow. so nearly uh, twice as twice as uh, strong um, of, of performance relative to expected compared to the second best defense. So they've just been they've been playing extremely well on third down, um, and uh, you know I think it's going to be key again in order to get Atlanta off the off the field, especially on rundowns. So, so that, that's a really interesting statistic, and I look at that minus ten point one percent on third down, and I'm saying, okay, you're you're already factoring in the down and distance in that. So the other thing the Ravens have been very good at is getting to third and medium longs. I mean, I, I look on my spreadsheet, in the, the the place where I pick it up most is in the packages they're playing because they've been allowed to play a fair number of extreme packages to get off the field. They might have had you know a couple fourth and one stops sprinkled in there too, but it's been a lot of third and six to 15 kind of plays that they've gotten the opponents into. And and this really plays into my next number, which I'll just jump into uh, as it is here, plus 260 and minus 96. The Falcons have penalty, a penalty yard differential this year of plus 260 yards. So they've been flagged for 458 yards on 70 flags and, and 718 for their opponents, 88 flags. So it's 18 more times that their, their opponents have been penalized. The Ravens are the other way around. They've uh, been flagged for 620 yards on 85 plays, and their opponents have only been flagged for 524 yards on 65 plays. So uh, it, some of this is is a function of the Ravens not being on the same page on roughing the passer with officials in the NFL, which I, which I, you know obviously I, I don't like. Obviously. Pass interference penalties have a have a fairly significant contribution uh, to this sort of this sort of thing. But whatever the reason, this is a week where the Ravens need to clean up what they're doing. Neither of these teams, with Huntley or you know, given today's news, that might end up being Brown, uh, who who plays the game, uh, can afford to get behind in the game certainly, but also behind the sticks in terms of being on schedule. Uh, these are not teams that, that that can make you know convert a lot of third and nine, third and ten plays. Uh, they're teams that really need to, to to whittle it down on first and second down with run plays, and then and then go for it that way. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of conservatism in this game from multiple avenues. I think both teams really want to run the ball. I think both teams really want to shorten the game. I think both teams want to keep the ball out of their own quarterback's hands, except as a runner. 
And, and I think even the Ravens want to keep it out of Huntley's hands as a runner too. Um, and then uh, you know, the, the last point of this would be the fourth down strategy. I think this is going to be a game. The Ravens are, are favored, probably deservedly so at home, even with all the injuries. This is a, the Atlanta team is, is not a good one. And, uh, you know, this is a game, this is the best chance to get in the playoffs. They're going to want a conservative fourth down approach as long as they lead in this game or it's close. Uh, so if, if if we see a three to three game and and they have, which wouldn't be surprising for sometime in the third quarter, even, um, and we see a fourth and one come up, wouldn't surprise me at all if they punt, even if they're on the plus side of the field or, or right at midfield. Uh, I just think this is a game where they where they're going to be very careful with uh field position and very careful uh giving up any significant expected point swings on a fourth down attempt yeah i think um you know like you said it's it's going to be all a matter of uh you know staying on schedule throughout the game (laughs) and neither team's going to be uh converting those long third downs um you know but uh keeping Atlanta to the long third downs, limiting the penalties. I think that's going to be big, really making them having to earn it. Um, uh, the whole way down the field is going to be key. So um, my next set of numbers is 30 and 3.89%. Um, so Atlanta's DVOA uh, on defense is, is 30th in the league. So that's a, that's a great number we like to see. They're 29th in pass and 26th in rush. Uh, so, a, again, a really nice matchup for uh, for the offense to hopefully get back on schedule uh, and, and really take advantage of that struggling run defense. Um, additionally, 3.89 is their sack rate for Atlanta, which is the worst, um, worst in the NFL. So, uh, you know, th- I think that's – uh, great to hear as well uh you know um even if we don't um you know have a, a ton of pass yards limiting the negative uh yes. negative plays on on pass downs is is going to be hugely important um because um you know you could t- you could see last week as soon as you lost yardage on you know first down and getting behind schedule on that you're just it's, it's too hard for the offense to catch back up so uh limiting the negative plays is going to be huge yeah, completely agree, and and it makes it more of a traditional 1970s offense is appropriate here that you you run run pass because you take that risk on third down when you have a certain number of yards to gain, but you don't take it on either the first two yards where you can put yourself behind schedule. And yeah, you know, the Ravens are just that's where they are right now as a team. They've got the great defense they need uh, to win this game. Although I, I question you know what this defense will look like without Peters and Campbell this week. It's still a very good matchup relative to the Atlanta offense in its current state. And I think the Ravens have a, you know, a good chance to, to, to put together a, a good defensive game. Um, it, it's just, it's a case where staying on schedule and not taking chances to let your opponent, uh, 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 you know, make things happen is, is bad. The, the sack rate in particular, that 3.89% sack rate. Um, we just watched Huntley hold the ball for two additional sacks in this game in the previous game when brown came in he kind of held the ball a little bit too long and took a sack as well um got definitely some quarterbacks who aid an opponent sack rate right now that uh among the raves even on the one sack where where um it was primarily due to the lineman i I had it evenly split three ways in the thing but i gave two-thirds of it a third each to moses and zeitler on, on the sack, but I also gave a third to Huntley. He just did not really move on that play to try and adjust his position within the pocket 
And I thought that was part of the cost. So a pocket awareness is so important. And the Ravens without Lamar Jackson just don't show any of it. Yep, definitely. Yep. All right. You, uh, oh, I'm sorry. It is, it is me. Okay. Yep. 2.97 and 4.86. We've been very frustrated so far with Tyler Huntley, obviously, over the time he's played. He's got 4.86 yards per pass play. Uh, over 80 plays resulting in a passer sack. And he's had some scrambles as well, and I've excluded those from this. Uh, his scrambles have not been particularly good, obviously, in terms of what he's are. Maybe not obviously, but he's taken some big hits, uh, I'd start with. 2.97 is Desmond Ritter in his 30 plays from last week uh, that resulted in a passer sack. So as bad as the situation is with Huntley, the Atlanta team is in even as extreme or perhaps even a worse situation in terms of having a – NFL-ready quarterback. This is a rookie quarterback. It's a home game for the Ravens. Hopefully the crowd will be very into it in terms of noise and make his life difficult. And I think it'll already be somewhat difficult for Atlanta coming to the North to play a game where uh, you know they at least practice in a, in a relatively warm climb down there and, uh, and certainly play a fair number of their games indoors in, uh, uh, in an arena that's nice for that. Yeah, you know, it's it is definitely a, a nice matchup to be going against him in his second game overall. Um, you know, just uh, uh ready for the, you know, the edge players to get after him and then uh, you know, uh, you know, the DBs to 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 make him pay on, on any types of gambles he makes. Um, you know, I think their running game is huge. You know, it's it's really been performing well. Um, so limiting that will, will be will be key as well, but, um, you know, to, to not have to worry about, uh, facing a, a, a top tier quarterback is, uh, is definitely nice to see for sure. So, yep. all right. My last numbers to wrap it up, uh, 5.4 and 14.8, uh, 5.4 is, is the number of points allowed by Atlanta in, in the, in Q1 so far this season on average. So, uh, that's second worst in the NFL, only ahead of Minnesota. Um, hmm. Over the last three games, they've allowed eight, on average eight points up in the in the first quarter, and last game they allowed fourteen points in the first quarter. Um, com- comparatively, Baltimore's second best, uh, only allowing two point four points in, in Q one. If we expand that to the first half, uh, Atlanta's allowed on average of 14.8 points in the first half, uh, second worst only ahead of Chicago and Baltimore is second best with 7.3 points allowed in the first half. Uh, so, you know, so we, as we've been talking about for the last couple of points, uh, it's going to be huge for Baltimore to start out early or start out quick early, uh, and, uh, and, and strong early and, and kind of get on the board, take advantage of Atlanta's struggles, uh, in the first half and, uh, and and really, you know, if, if they can take a lead early, uh, you know, that'll be a, a really nice situation against this, uh, you know, quarterback in his second game. So. You're probably more aware of, of this than I am, but I've, I'm looking at that 5.4 for the season and as an average number of points given up in the first quarter. That doesn't seem terrible given maybe 22, 23 points is normal, but I guess there's a lot of peak scoring in the second and fourth quarters due to the uh, you, you way you run, run drives there. Yeah, that'd be my guess. I don't know exactly, but, uh, but I do know that, you know, overall, I think scoring is pretty significantly down the season. So I think that could be 
part of why the number seems lower than than maybe one would expect. But I do think you, you're kind of spot on as well with um, um, you know the the second and fourth quarter being higher due to the kind of time management at the end of at the end of those quarters. All right. And I promised a handicapping question at the end of this. And here's what, here's what I want to do as an exercise. I've asked some other people who I don't think have been really into doing this the last couple <laughs> of days. And so I'm hoping it, it'll be a more fun thing to do with you. Um, I want to, I want you to give me with current information, including now Lamar Jackson has missed two consecutive days of practice this week. Give me the percentage chance he returns in week 16 in week 17 in week 18, and then a playoff or, or two Oh two, three. Okay, and write down you know, the percentage chance you ascribe to each of these. I'm going to do it too right now. Okay, we got new information now, so this will look a little different than previous numbers I've given out. If people have been listening, even even as on the from the defense and offense show, I've got mine set up. All right, let's see. It's not an yeah. easy thing. Well. <laughs> You know, I, I, so starting with this week, I'll put it at five percent, but I think it's really maybe zero. Um, okay, <laughs> I, I I think you're in the right range. I I said one because I didn't okay. want to put zero. <laughs> okay, there you go. So. I, I was doing I was doing multiples of five, so okay. there you go. So same same concept. Both probably would have bet zero, but didn't want to be uh, pigeonholed into literally zero. So uh, okay. um, what, do you, what do you got for week seventeen? Uh, week seventeen, I, I'm going with. Uh, I went with 30% chance on that one. Um, so I think a, a decent chance, I hope. I, I have no idea at this point, though, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a decent chance, but I think it's lower if if they're able to squeak a win this week. So I'm uh, going with 30%. Okay. And I went with 9%. I, I actually think the chance is very low that it'll return before week 18. Um there's a lot of things going on here and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to um, make this seem bad because I think Lamar needs to do the right thing for himself as well as for the team here. And I think you know, part of this may be a case of, of he can't play. And there may also be another part of it that's saying um, it's, it's, I could play, but I, I might not be at the top of my game. I don't really want that. And we've, we've you know, other players have certainly been there before, uh, and also, there's there's a risk in next year that that is just unacceptable, and and I completely understand that way of thinking. By the way, when I see it, so that's why I came up with nine percent for for week seventeen. Week eighteen, where do you have him? Uh, I went with twenty percent. So. Okay, twenty percent. So you've now assigned fifty five percent of your total, and so I can put you pigeonhole you in at forty five percent in the playoffs for twenty twenty three. Yeah, and I think that's about. <laughs> I think it's pretty even there. You know, if yeah. you if you're if you're going into the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of even split it a little bit. I, I went 20% playoffs and 25% that he holds out the whole, you know, it doesn't play. So, um, okay. uh, because I think if you limp into the playoffs, I'm, I'm not sure that you, you're that confident that you're going to make a, a huge run with him coming back. Um, so I, I think there's a decent chance if, if it, if it's that long that he just ends up holding out for the or um, you know, not playing for the rest of the season. So yeah, let's let's not call it holding out because I don't think right. that's no, really wrong, wrong so let's, term. Right. Let's just yeah. be real clear here. Yep. Week week eighteen, forty percent. I think is the chance. I think that that Cincinnati game, if that's what it takes to get the Ravens into the playoffs, I think the competitor in Lamar will will overcome any 
amount that he wants to be careful about about uh, what's going. He probably wants to play now. That's the truth of the matter. Is the trainers are maybe well be the people who are saying don't do it. Um, but but anyway, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him if it was the other way around. And then I'd say fifty percent for for the playoffs or in twenty twenty three. If if Tyler Huntley were to suddenly reverse what happened in this last game and become George Blanda over these next three games where he comes in with a miracle run of of success and takes his team to the playoffs. It would not be anything <laughs> that would keep that would keep Lamar from taking over in that wild card game if he were all of a sudden available. But it would be an awfully interesting situation. The, the one guy in Ravens history is Kyle Bowler, who was available, I think, for the 2003 playoffs. But at that point, the, the, the team was belonged to Anthony Wright at that point, and they didn't they didn't uh, after he'd won five of six have any interest in putting Kyle Bowler back at the helm. Right. Yeah. You know, I think you, as soon as Lamar's ready, you run with him. And I, I, I don't think anything, any of these um, outcomes really change as much of the formula uh, in the long run either. I think, you know, just, um, you know, I, I think as soon as he's ready, he's, he'll be back. And, um, but when exactly that is, is uh, a, a little bit unclear right now. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for going through that thought exercise and, and yeah. appreciating it. Uh, Dan, tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Yeah, reach out on Twitter at, uh, at DP Reese and eight, um, and uh, you know, happy to talk Ravens or, or whatever. Um, just uh, you know, an exciting time right now with uh, with getting close to the playoffs. All right, other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up. Twenty to twenty five minutes, some kind of topic we can uh, talk about, just as a adult conversation here. We're not trying to necessarily be adversaries in this, but something that is. Uh, uh, interesting and you're passionate about. If it's got analytics involved, that's great. If it doesn't, that's fine also. Uh, please take the show out to one more person, especially by the numbers. We could we use some additional promotion of that show in particular. Uh, I love doing this show with Dan. I wish more people were listening to it. I understand the timing of such being near the end of the week makes it a little less popular than some of the shows like on the defense and offense. But uh, I, I really would appreciate it if we could, uh, if we could spread the word on the show and get it out there. So please tell that, that friend who maybe isn't aware about that. Uh, Dan, always a pleasure to do the show with you. Yeah, my pleasure. And we'll talk to you next time on film study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.